Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Intercooler Podcast. This is episode 75. Welcome, everybody. I'm Dan Prosser on the other end of the Zoom call, as ever, Andrew Frankel. Morning, Andrew. Morning, Dan. Hello. We, so we've got uh, plenty to talk about this week. We're going to start with the Dutch GP, although we're not going to linger on the race for too long because, I mean, it wasn't the most exciting Grand Prix of the year, was it? However, we should talk about the event, the atmosphere, the track. Um, I mean, the first time F1 has been at Zandvoort for... Well, certainly, I think in my life, so was it last 1985, was it there? Yes, you weren't actually alive the last time they raced at Zandvoort. No, no. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, do you know what? I didn't know the first thing about Zandvoort, really. I knew that it was um, in the dunes on the coast in, in the Netherlands, um, but really didn't know anything about the, the character of the circuit. Um, I mean, I think those very steep bankings are new, aren't they? Yeah, they're new. Um, I mean, it was a really, really... I mean, a couple of terrible things happened Got uh, happened there. I mean, Piers Courage got killed there in 1970. Roger Williamson there, that's the famous one because it's all over YouTube, in 1973. But actually, you know, tragedies like that and some others uh, aside, um, it was always a really, really cool place. I mean, the original track was absolutely mega because if you if you think what it's like after you kind of come out of turn three and then you've got those really really quick sweeping bends which are sadly all flat out in a modern formula one car but they were absolutely not back in the day um and then you know where it goes into that sort of that sort of second right hand hairpin um on the original circuit it just sort of carried on out and carried on swerving away like that and it was it was absolutely beautiful it was an amazing track for drivers it's a real driver's circuit um and and if you look back at who won there, 
um, it was always the best of the best. Whereas, you know, you, you, can, you could get strange results at places like Monza, which is just a pure power circuit, and if somebody just happened to have, you know, more gutsy engine than anybody else, that actually really told. But at something like Zandvoort, you had to really know your onions to do well there. Um, and I think that the, I think the problem with the new circuit, actually, I don't think it's a problem with the circuit, I think it's a problem with the cars, you know, because everybody's going on about oh, how narrow it is and how difficult overtaking is. Um, you know, I watched uh, I watched a bit of the Formula W race, and there was actually quite a lot of overtaking there. W, w um, series. I just need to jump w, in. W series. <laughs> w series. Sorry, not for. Dare, dare, dare. Anyway, um, yeah, and you know, the, the problem is, you know, and we said this before. You know, modern Formula One cars—they're just too big, aren't they? They're big, wide things, aren't they? Um, and it is very difficult. Even so, we still store plenty. You know, come. You know, the, the traditional overtaking place at Zanvoort, you know, down the main straight and into Tarzan at the end. So, you know, I personally, I was really pleased um, that Formula One has gone back there. Um, I, I think they actually held a really good event. I know it wasn't the most thrilling of races, but do you know what? I actually, it wasn't one of those races where I just sat there thinking, why am I watching this? Because, you know, actually, you know, Max won. Okay, you know, he didn't put a foot wrong, but also... Um, he also, you know, got a bit lucky because Mercedes, and they've admitted it now, cocked up their strategy a bit. Uh, and Lewis was always there or thereabouts. There was very, very little in it. Um, so, you know, it wasn't an edge of the seat one, but at the same time, you know, there was certainly more than enough to keep me interested. Uh, and I love the fact that it's a bit different. I love the banking. Um, it's just a, you know, it's just a different kind of circuit. And I think we need more and more of those you know and it's also really old school that's the other thing i really like about it it's got it's got this stuff called gravel <laughs> yeah yeah you come off the track um and you get into this stuff that you don't get out of um and so drivers actually have to you know they can't just straight line everything um there are consequences if you get it wrong and it's absolutely as it should be and there you know there are places where the walls are re- they're bloody close um and you know and i think that you know, I remember the start. I mean, how they all got through that first lap. I mean, just the skills on show. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, it's a different sort of circuit. Um, uh, and obviously for me, you know, as a sort of, you know, someone who likes to think they know a bit about the history of the sport, uh, it was great to see cars go back there, even if the track's not quite what it was. Yeah, and uh, I mean, certainly from afar on the TV, it looked like an incredible event. The atmosphere—I I actually feel really pleased for all the Dutch fans. You know, they've got their—they've got their new driver, who is clearly a superstar, and they—they they get right behind him, as they all do. You know, if you watch um, Holland playing football, you see—you see all the orange flares, all the orange shirts, the atmosphere, the energy. They all get—they get right behind their team, don't they? And they got to watch Max win that race. Um, I think. It must have been incredible to be there. Um, by by but yeah, all the, accounts, there, there, there was an atmosphere there that I don't think that anybody has seen at a Formula One race, any Formula One race, for years and years and years. Because, you know, you are returning Formula One to a country that has been deprived of it for decades, to a crowd that is knowledgeable and passionate um, and patriotic in all the right ways and i yeah it was wasn't it just great to see i mean you know the crowd always does amazingly at silverstone but it's not a surprise to see formula one cars racing at silverstone um and also you also don't forget that you know there was meant to be a dutch grand prix last year and they got robbed you know by covid so you know there was all that sort of pent-up enthusiasm as well i thought it i thought it was great 
Yeah, it was excellent. Um, and I mean, we know next year's cars are supposed to be much better at following one another. We'll see how that actually pans out. But if, you know, perhaps that will make uh, for, you know, that will enable more overtaking, maybe a, a slightly more dramatic race, fine. If it doesn't, it might well be that Zandvoort is one of those places where qualifying is actually more of a spectacle than the race. You know, Monaco is the prime example, isn't it? It is extraordinary to watch uh, Formula One cars qualify around Monaco. Um, but the, the race, sadly, is often quite processional. I just thought the sight uh, of Max and Lewis ringing their cars out on a Saturday afternoon around that place where there's very little margin for error, a proper roller coaster, there's undulations, there's banking. It, ah, you get such an impression of the speed because it's tight and narrow. The, the way they carry speed into what look like tight corners, it's utterly staggering, isn't it? Yeah. And because you, you, know, you actually see cars at strange angles, you kind of see the top of cars, which you never see in Formula One, um, because they're going around this banking. And it, it was just, pre- it just presented a fresh way of looking at the sport. Um, and also, you could see the other things, you could see the drivers learning the circuit. And also, you know, there isn't, you know, one considered a you know, turn three, for instance, the one they all talk about. You know, there seem to be about eight different lines through there. And there's a quick line, and there's an overtaking line, and there's, you know, and it's just. It's just different and it's interesting. Um, yeah. So more, please. So uh, we're not quite two thirds of the way through the season. Um, <laughs> there's three points between the two title protagonists. Extraordinary, isn't it? This is what we've been wanting for so long is a, a proper title battle between drivers in two different teams. Yeah. Um, Who's going to win it? But Exactly. Well, <laughs> Which way is it going to go? Uh, I, rec- I think it's Max's. Um, he's, wow. he's, he's won seven, uh, to four. Um, yep. and, uh, and you he know, got robbed the, a couple of times, he got robbed a couple of times. So it, actually he could be way out in front, but I think unless Merck really managed to turn the tide, they, they did it at Hungary, didn't they? But uh, I mean, back at, at Zandvoort, it was, that Red Bull was quicker again. So it's a tough one to call. But... You see, you see, I'm, I'm not quite with you. I think Go it's, on. if I, I, I just don't know, um, and you know I wouldn't be surprised either way. But if, I mean, but, but gunned ahead, I'd say I'd still say Lewis um, for for stuff reasons we've talked about before. Mercedes, or you wrote about it, um, come on stronger in the second half of the season. Um, you know, um, and, you know how many times did Ferrari appear to be you know have the championship in the bag only for Mercedes to go and even with an inferior car, but with a better team, um, you know nip it at the end um the second thing is let's not forget and this may or may not turn out to be significant but you know max is due a 10 place grid drop at some stage this year yeah um because he's got to change his engine um because <laughs> he got he got taken out didn't he, by mercedes and <laughs> uh, the irony of that is you know talking about adding insult to injury um and also you know also i don't understand the money of it enough um uh, and i know that you know, Christian Horner has, you know, complained about an awful lot this season. But, you know, he did say that, you know, the damage done to the cars um, through these offs in which, you know, they weren't responsible when you're in a budget capped season, which they are, um, is significant. And maybe they won't be able to chuck as much at the development of the car as they otherwise might. I don't know. Um, so for all those reasons, you know, if, if Mercedes hadn't cocked up their strategy uh, yesterday... 
I think it would have been a very close race. I mean, the point being is that Lewis could have led the race. And at a circuit that is that hard to get past, and Lewis being so good in those mano a mano combat situations, and given the previous between them, I think I'd have backed Lewis to hang on to it. Um, don't know. So I don't know. So, 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 oh, okay, okay. so you're, you're slightly in the Max camp, I'm slightly in the Lewis camp. Um, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. God, I'm just loving F1 in 2021. A Isn't it great? Between, and, we and we know they're the best in the world. You know, it's yeah. exactly and, how and, it should be. And the complaining that we have done on this podcast and, you know, and on the intercooler about Formula One in the past and to actually have, you know, a proper competition. Um, you know, I just hope that people, particularly, you know, Formula One itself remembers this and realises that this is, this is what it should be like every year. Mm, exactly. Um, let's hope it is. Um, okay, well, let's move it on. And it, it was described as Formula One's worst kept secret over over the weekend. Uh, George Russell to, to Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas out. It's not been confirmed yet. Um, as we record this, it might as well we be that. This, yes. Yeah, it might well be that later today um, the the sort of dominoes start to fall. But it does seem as though George Russell to Mercedes is happening. Um, and it means that Valtteri Bottas will be on his way out, perhaps to Alfa Romeo. Uh, so, I mean, there can be no question that George deserves a ride with a top team. Um, Not whatever. I mean, qual- qualifying second in the rain at Spa, exceptional. Um, he had a, a run in the Merck last year, didn't he? And he should have won the race. Um, he, he, he would have he run the race, but for conditions, for circumstances, completely beyond his control. I mean... In that one, where was it? Bahrain? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that if you, the only thing you can compare him to is Valtteri, because he's the only other person with the same equipment. There's nothing I saw which made me think that Lewis would have done a better job in that, in that car. I mean, he was, he, he, he did to Valtteri what Lewis always does to Valtteri. He just dropped him. And I know that Valtteri outqualified him by a couple of tenths, but in the race itself, um, it was, you know, it, 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 it was it was all George's. So, um, yeah, he absolutely deserves it. Um, before we move on to talking about George's prospects at Mercedes, I just want to talk about Bottas a little bit because this will, you know, if, if it pans out the way we think it will, this will be his final year at Mercedes. He'll have been there for five seasons, won a handful of races, um, earned a load of money. But how will he reflect on his time at Merck, do you think? I mean, he... I think he'll regret not being more forceful, not being a bit more of a bastard in that team, um, perhaps a bit too compliant and certainly not consistent enough. Um, I mean, there were times where he was genuinely quicker than Lewis and Lewis didn't have an answer and Valtteri won the Grand Prix on merit, but over the course of a season, just never a threat to Hamilton, was he? No. I, 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 I completely agree. I mean, I think... It must be very difficult um, to ha- to have shown to you and then, you know, reinforced again and again and again. You know, with that many races, you know, you can't, you know, I, th- I think that every single Formula One driver has to harbour the belief that they're the best or that they have the ability to be the best and that in certain circumstances, maybe they don't have the best car, um, maybe they don't have the best team, but they themselves are the best. They are championship material. And Bottas, who is 
obviously, uh, you know, well, forget even by normal standards, by Formula One standards, is a really good driver. He's just, you know, and he must now know he's never going to win a world championship. You know, that ultimate, you know, schoolboy dream, I'm going to be the Formula One world champion, which is what they all go in there. To, he must know that that is now beyond him. Because wherever he goes, um, you know, it's not going to be, unless something absolutely freakish happens. And it does, you know, look at Jensen in 2009, you know, stuff does happen. Um, where people, you know, who appear to have, you know, come to a season, you know, and at the beginning of the season, people think, well, there's no chance of him becoming world champion, even if he's deserving of it, as Jensen absolutely was. It can happen. But, you know, I don't think that really he's got a chance. And it must be very sobering to think, I'm just not good enough. Uh, and maybe he comforts himself with thinking, well, I've only got, you know, I, 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 the only reason I wasn't good enough was because my teammate was, well, we can argue this point until blue in the face, but, you know, some would say the greatest of all time. Um, and certainly the greatest of his era. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Um, and so maybe there's, you know, there's some comfort in being second best. Um, but no, and, 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 you know, I, it's a hard, it's a tough thing to say. I just don't, I don't even think that certainly latterly he has done a great job for, I don't think he's even been a great wingman recently because the, you know, he hasn't been able to, you know, what you want to do is you want to have Lewis out front and Valtteri, you know, up his chuff, just, you know, doing what, you know, Sterling and Fangio and, um, you know, Schechter and Villeneuve and all those great one-two teams did, where you have someone who's absolutely your wingman and just keeping everyone else away, going fast enough to keep everyone away from the bloke who's going to go and win the championship. Um, and he couldn't do that. So, yeah, it's tough. But then again, you know, he'll be, he'll be crying all the way to the back, won't he? So, you know, <laughs> for most people, it'd be a really nice problem to have. But, um, you know, I suspect for, for someone like him, who undoubtedly would have at some stage in his life believed that he either was or could be the best, to have it so starkly shown that he's not and now won't be. Um, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be human if that wasn't, you know, a bit sad. Mm. Difficult to take. Yeah, quite. Um, so it sometimes feels as though Verstappen is set to dominate the sport for the next 10 years, doesn't it? But I don't, be- actually, I don't I think believe that it. If, well, there you go. I think if George is given the right equipment, if Lando is given the right equipment, perhaps if Leclerc is given the right equipment, they can be right there, right there with him. Um, and that, that is a hell of a prospect. Yeah, and I think that there is such quality coming through. You know, you look at just those guys you mentioned, yeah? You know, uh, George, Lando, uh, Charles, I think that there is... Yeah, you know, these guys are so young and they are so good. I mean, you can always tell, can't you? You can just tell when people have got, you know, that, what are you going to call it, X factor or something. Um, and I think they all do. And, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen with cars under the new regulations and maybe one team will just ace it and another team will completely cock it up. Um, but I think it, you know, it could be great. Um, and... I'm going to write something about this on the intercooler out later in the week. But what fascinates me, if George does, as we suspect, by the time people listen to this, has gone to Mercedes, what Lewis is going to make of it all. Well, well, yeah, as as the incumbent, you'd rather have the bloke who you know you've got the measure of, wouldn't you? Frankly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, and I'm not going to dwell on this because I, I, I want to write about it. But, you know... I, th- I think Lewis is big problem, and you know if if he is spitting tax about this, you know someone will at some stage turn around and say, well, you know, this is just you and Alonso, but the other way around in two thousand and seven, and it is exactly that. 
and you know, you know young what? hotshot comes into comes into team with multiple world champion and uh, you know and you know makes his life very difficult indeed but it's it's how it's how sport should go it's how sport Absolutely. should go the younger guys yeah. should ultimately displace the older guys um, yes and it's because because that's how we know the best driver in the world is out there competing and not sat on his sofa at home that's how we know so and it doesn't mean that the next generation are necessarily better. It doesn't mean that we reflect on it and go, well, the Hamilton got showed up by such and such. It's just how sport goes. We see it in tennis. We see it in boxing, all sorts of sports. Um, you can't turn back the clock. You can't. And, you know, it, it happens all the time in Formula One. We, we don't know what would have happened in 1994 had things panned out differently at Imola, but it looked as though Schumacher was busy doing it to Senna. And then later on, Alonso did it to Schumacher. And then Lewis did it to Alonso. So maybe someone will do it to, uh, to Lewis, and that could be George. But one day, probably, someone will do it to George. You know, there'll be a, a 10-year-old karting champion you know, at school somewhere. And one day, he will displace the great George Russell, won't he? That's just how sport goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, from Mercedes' point of view, you know... <sighs> Lewis, I'm sure, has... Well, we know Lewis has an enormous amount of clout in that team. But ultimately, you know, I don't think anybody thinks that Lewis is going to be in the sport for more than another couple of years. And if they are planning on being in the sport for more than another couple of years, and given that they've committed to next year and the new regs and everything else, um, you know, you'd have to bet that they are. They have to look to their future. Do you know what? It's, a, it's such a good point. And, and there's a, there is a parallel here with Citroen in the World Rally Championship. So going back to uh, 2000 and what do we think, 2012 or something, maybe 2013, they had two Sebastians, the best drivers in the world, Sebastian Loeb and Sebastian Ogier. And because Sebastian Loeb was the hero who had been with them for a decade and won nine world titles, they kept him and they allowed Ogier to move to another team. Um, And even though Loeb was only going to hang around for a couple of years, it turned out to be a huge mistake. I mean, you can, you can talk about honour and respect and all the rest of it. But if Citroen had actually allowed Sebastian Loeb to leave and kept hold of Ogier, they would have had the best driver in the world for another seven or eight years, not another two years. And ultimately, it was not being able to find a top-line driver that saw Citroen quit the sport. There you go. So, yeah, so it, yeah, so it totally game-changing situation. It, 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 it absolutely is. Um, yeah, so so we'll see. And also, you know, the, the, the other thing I would say is that, you know, George is not... Um, firstly, Lewis won't take this line down. Lewis isn't going to just go, well, OK, George, you know, after you, mate. Um, you know, he will fight and fight and fight. And we will find out, you know. I, I also think that however good Lewis is now, I suspect that having a teammate like that um, snapping away at his exhausts, you know, he is going to, you know, he is going to reach even higher heights so i do not believe for a moment that you lewis is yesterday's man or a spent force or anything it's ridiculous to think that um you know he is going you know and also from lewis's point of view you know he is going to want to go at the top isn't he you know he's not going to want to fizzle out you know maybe his last great gesture will be to show not only was i the greatest when i was george russell's at the age guess what i still am now beat him in a straight fight and then go right thanks guys I think I think it would be one of his 
it, if he did it, it would be one of his crowning achievements. It really would. To resist the nature of sport, it would be exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll wake up tomorrow to the news that Valtteri's been giving a contract extension, won't we? <laughs> but it's fun <laughs> to speculate. Um, you know, yeah, it is. I, I, I'm sorry, but the, but the one other point I would say is that, you know, maybe Mercedes will make it life a bit easier for him um, because George will, I'm sure, be told to behave himself. Um, and you know, and and, you know, and in total, we'll say you know, George, you know, the, 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 you know, everything is out there for you, but you do just have to behave, behave yourself for a couple of seasons, learn your trade, and you'll still only be twenty five, and then you can go and you know, um, whether George listens to that <laughs> is another matter. Lewis certainly didn't in two thousand and seven, but you know, we'll see. Mm, we will see. Uh, okay, let's talk about our track day. We the intercooler had its first in person event last week. Um, and it was a track day at Thruxton, um, and it was rather excellent, wasn't wonderful. it? I mean, wonderful. Wonderful. The, the day went swimmingly. No red flags, not a single red flag. We had good weather, actually ideal track day weather, sort of overcast, warm, dry, but not really roasting hot. Um, it was just a, a brilliant turnout, great people. What did you make of it? Uh, it you know, I don't think I've really... I've never hosted a public event before, um, so I, w- I was nervous as hell uh, when I went down there, you know, because you just want everyone to have a good time. Um, and, you know, we were, this sounds like I'm plugging desperately, but I'm not really, but, you know, we had, you know, some of our best parts, so, you know, Bark runs Thruxton and Bark are partners are, so, you know, basically they made it possible in the first place. And then Gold Track actually ran the day for us and did so completely brilliantly. But beyond that, just the people who turned up, you know, I've been to too many track days where there's sort of, you know, there's testosterone in the air. And, you know, if a slightly slower car on paper approaches a slightly faster car on the track, then the bloke in the faster car, you know, gets the hump and goes faster and faster. And you get these silly races because they don't want to be, be overtaken. And you get a bit of argy bar And then cars start going off and, you know, then the track closes because they've got to recover the, you know, the, the wreckage. and so We had none of that. Everybody turned up. Everybody went out whenever they wanted. Completely open pit lane. Um, completely, you know, noise limit free. Um, I heard one person say they saw someone spin. That's literally it. They didn't even leave the track. You know, the entire day. You know, you think how far. You know, Thruxton is Britain's fastest racetrack. And you think how big an accident people can and do have there. And people just had a wonderful, wonderful time. The number of people, and I promise you, and I'm not just saying this, who came up to both of us at the end of it and said, do you know what? That was so much more than just another track day. It was such a good atmosphere. The, you know, the people were fantastic, but the driving standards were so good. And, you know, I spent a long time out there. I didn't see a single idiot. You always see idiots at track days. I mean, even at, the, even at really well-run track days, because you can't stop it. But somehow, you know, I don't know whether it's because we attract a certain sort of, you know, slightly more sensible punter or whatever, but there were some amazing cars there. Um, all driven really, really well. Um, but, you know, it didn't matter. So, you know, there were some cars going around there. There were the usual sort of GT3 RSs, but there was also a one series with a roof rack on it, wasn't it, going around? Mm. Um, all day. And so it wasn't <laughs> like a... Yeah, all day. Um, you know, so it wasn't like you had to turn up in the fastest, most you know, expensive car out there. Um, you know turn up in anything go out there have a great time and it all just it honestly it, it couldn't have, from my point of view it couldn't have worked better yeah there were a few sort of added elements weren't there um a friend of ours brought a couple of group c cars along you had to go in one um <laughs> yes there were 
there were some extraordinary machines out on track. Um, some good people there as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, we had Karen Chandok there uh, giving passenger laps to subscribers in uh, Porsche GB's 911 Turbo S, 911 Hull. Thank you, Porsche GB, for letting us use that car for the day. Um, you sat in with him, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Yeah. You actually wrote a piece, um, a short piece for the Instagram site and for, for the app. I didn't get to sit with him, but you did. Yeah, I mean, it was... The silly thing is, I just thought it would be a bit of fun. I just thought, oh, I'll just go and have a skid round with, 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 with Karen and um, it'll just be funny. And for some reason, because I guess there'd been so much going on in the day and because my mind had been full of driving, you know, the Group C car and um, talking to everybody over there, I just didn't really sort of think about what I was about to do. And so you're getting into how much power is one of those things? It's got 650 horsepower or something? I can't remember. It's something like that, isn't 620, it? 620, yeah. Um, yeah, something like yeah. that. So, uh, and then, you know, Karen's driving it. And you actually think, actually, I'm going around Britain's fastest racetrack in a car with over 600 horsepower with a Formula Formula One driver driving it. You know, it's not going to be undramatic. Um, and as you know, I am a lousy passenger. I'm a hopeless passenger. Frankly, I, I don't even know why I did it. But I did, of course, I did it because it was Karen and, 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 and you should. But it was just... It was just so annoying, really, because it just <laughs> seems so easy. It's just, you know, to him, because he was, he was literally, he was, you know, it was one hand on the wheel a lot of the time. He was just driving around the circuit, chatting to me about, you know, about Zanvor um, and about Spa and about stuff and the intercooler, while at the same time, you know, just nailing it, just absolutely nailing it. And it would just seem so easy. And his confidence um, and, you know, when the car got a bit loose, you know, he didn't stop talking. It wasn't suddenly, oh, God, I've got to sort this out now. It was just kind of like, it was just so natural to him um, just to sort of go with it. And yeah, it was quite, it was quite sort of sobering, really. But I mean, massively enjoyable. Um, and he seemed to be having a good time. So yeah, it was great. He did. Everyone who stepped out of the car, having had a, a lap with him, they're just beaming. You know, I think it was an extraordinary experience for a lot of people. So thank you to Karen for coming along and doing that. Um, it was it was the first time, um, and I am going to write a piece, a piece about this for the intercooler, the first time that I'd driven my car on track, actually. I'd, and I'd, 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 I shouldn't really confess this. I don't know how it's turned out the, to be the case, but it's the first time I've driven a car that I've owned on track, um, which actually still surprises me when I think about it now. So, Given that the first I, car that you ever bought, you, into, you bought specifically to drive on, to, to on track. track. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Thank and you for that. It's only now, what, what, 17 years later that you finally yeah. got around to it. Oh, dear. It's pathetic, oh, well. isn't it? Never mind. Um, I mean, so, I, you know, I didn't want to destroy my tyres. didn't want to go home with grumbling brakes just because it's, it's a bit pointless, really. Um, so I, I took it fairly easy and expensive. And I, I didn't do too many laps, but... Um, I mean, I had a great time in, in the car on circuit, except that for me, it's such a frightening circuit, Thruxton, particularly out the back. It's so fast. And certainly for someone of my ability, I just need a car that's, that floods me with confidence in those quick corners. I want a car that's really stable and secure. And my A110, because it's very road biased, it's not, it's not quite that, you know, it's, it feels to me a bit floaty, a little bit roly poly through the quick stuff. And that is enough just to make me go, Ooh, I'll back out a bit. Um, I think, I think given a bit more time and perhaps if, you know, I wasn't worrying about the, the state of my car so much, it would have been a bit different, but it was still fun to drive it on, on track for the first time. And through 
you know, around the rest of the lap. It was brilliant. Um, fun to drive, light, agile, so well balanced is the thing. Um, you know, you can, you can, it's so easy to modulate the balance and the attitude of the car on the throttle. If it's pushing a little bit, a gentle lift and it comes, just tucks in again. It's so well done. Um, and I, I sent Karen out in it as well. He'd never driven one before. I loved it actually. I said to him, do you want to drive it? And before he'd finished saying, oh yes, all right then. He'd had his seatbelt done up and his helmet on and then he was away. <laughs> um, so he was just dead keen to have a go in anything. Um, Proper enthusiast. And, yeah. And I, I thought that he would say something similar about the way it rolls and sort of wallows and how the weight shifts around through the quick stuff. Um, and this is how I know that actually it's down to me more than anything. He didn't care about it. He just said, yeah, it rolls a bit, but it still has to be comfortable on the road, doesn't it? And of course, that's absolutely right. So he, he didn't care um, that it was moving around a little bit, I guess because he knows that he's just perfectly comfortable with it. And should something happen, he'll get on top of it straight away. I, t- I tell you what, um, I suspect you were the only person who um, was disadvantaged by the weather. Because I say this because back when A110s were brand new, in fact, so brand new that the car I'm talking about was a left-hand drive pre-production prototype, the last time I went to Thruxton was to go down and do, I can't remember why I was there. But anyway, I went down to do a track day there and I took it and I went up, but it was wet. Um, and it was fantastic. Because it's soft um, and because it was wet, so you didn't get those big body movements but the car did as you want in the wet it did sort of lean into the corners and it just sort of drove round, just you know taking out you know 488s and gt3 rs's and that sort of because you know a they were on completely compromised tires but b it was just it was you know round the back of the circuit where in the dry you're thinking i'm not quite sure about this in the wet it was just so confidence expiring because it was perfectly set up for it so maybe next time We'll do it in February. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, I have driven them in uh, in bad weather before, and they just they just grip where other cars can't. Yeah, yeah. They really come in, and and they're soft. Yeah, exactly. And they're soft and they're light. Um, you know, it's absolutely what you want. I did send Mister Chandock out in it um, with a camera running, uh, and I mean he didn't hammer it. He was because it's a track day, and he was quite respectful. But he just drove very briskly, very neatly, very quickly. It was. It was great to watch, and that the clip of that is uh, is on the Intercooler app right now. If you want to go check it out, um, good. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, it was a great day. Thank you to everybody who turned up um, and made it so enjoyable. Thank you to Bark. Thank you to Goldtrack and Footman James as well. Without without all of those, that day wouldn't have happened at all. So we are great, very grateful to all of them. Um, we just need to find a way to do another one, don't we? I think we will. I think we'll find a way somehow. But the thing is, we, we, we kind of set a standard now. And so it has to be, it can't just be another track day. It has to be another one that is as fun and easygoing and yet special as that. Um, I think possibly slightly through, more through luck than good judgment, but hopefully because, you know, the some planning went into it. Um, we just seem to have really captured something there. Um, so I'm very, very keen that we find a way of doing it again, um, at least as well, if not better. Mm, it was all the sort of added elements, wasn't it, that made it so interesting. Um, right, good. Okay, we'll leave that one there. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, please remember to rate and review the podcast. That is important. Uh, and also go and download the Intercool app. Um, you can start your one-month free trial. Just see what it's all about. I know we talk about it a lot, but, you know, it's important to us. That's good. Go and, good. Go and see what you think of it. 
<laughs> That's because it's good. Yeah, we think it is good. Um, so go, just go and start your free trial. We think you'll like it. Um, as ever, we'll be back to talk to you again next week. All the best. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.